Yo, this is Pastor Tito here, welcoming you to another episode of my revolutionary podcast where I'm here to help you find faith in Christ and how to follow through with your life by revolving your heart and faith on who Christ is and the truth of God. And we're doing that by finishing off a focus that we've been having over the month of September in 2021, which is how to deal with doubt. And we've been looking at some of the closest people, you know, between John the Baptist and Thomas and even the apostles, how they struggled with their faith and how they had questions a lot of times. Well, today we're going to talk about not only another instance when the disciples actually showed a lack of faith in what God did, but also a desperate father who believed yet struggled to believe. And his story can inspire us on how to deal with doubt. All right. It's that thing that sometimes, so many times we pray and we ask God to, God, I need you to show up. I need you to show up. I'm, I'm thirsty. Fill me up. Right? Did you hear? That's what he was singing. He was begging, praying, fill me up. That is a prayer that we all need to pray every single day. Lord, fill me up. I need you because, guys, we're always, no matter what, we're going to be looking for anything and everything, everywhere. And so we need to make sure that if we're filled up with anything, it is in him. And we have to be intentional about it. And I'll even use another word. We got to be desperate about it. All right, that, that, that desire is something that just can't be a once a week or once when we feel like it. It needs to be deeper than that. And so this is, I thought that was a great kind of segue as we've been looking at this phrase, help me with my unbelief. It's, just, it's the, what we've been looking at so far this whole month. So if you've been joining us in the mornings and whatnot online, everybody, we're kind of wrapping up this idea on help me, Lord, with my unbelief. And we've been looking at the different things, really defining what doubt is. All right, if you think about it, we have, if you've been hanging out with us, we've tried to answer two questions so far. We're going to do it again today, which is, what is doubt? Let's define doubt better. And the other one is, well, what do we do when we doubt? Those are the two things. Because there's a lot of believers, a lot of Christians who struggle with this even now. They struggle with the questions. They don't know what to do. And there's a stigma, really. There's a stigma with, well, I have questions, but I don't want to say anything because, yo, I don't want so-and-so looking at me kind of weird. I don't want so-and-so thinking about me kind of weird. Or I'm a Christian. I, I can't do that. I mean, is it a sin to, to doubt or ask a question? And then we just kind of pretend like you know what you're doing. I know I'm not the only. Listen, I was a teacher for a long time. Tell me right now. All right. You, you, I've seen it. All right. Where you pretended. The teacher will go, anybody have any questions? No. And then what do you do? You bomb the test. And because you didn't want to be that guy to ask, oh, okay, well, I do have a question. I have no clue what's going on. Right? But you didn't want to be that guy. You didn't want to be that girl. And then you bomb the test because you didn't ask. Well, we've been looking at this definition of doubt. There's one way, which is saying, I just don't believe, right? I doubt you, meaning I don't believe it. That's one thing. But that's another thing to say, listen, I'm struggling to believe. Like, I believe, okay, I get this, I get that, I believe, but hold on, but what about, but what about, but what about? And we've been looking at what we can do by looking at the different reactions that, that Jesus has had with different people when they ask and have those doubts. So if you got some doubts, I'm glad you showed up as we're going to look into today. But um, one of the last thing I was actually, as we were looking at this, we've been looking at this whole month of what are the different things that causes doubt? 
couple weeks ago, we talked about, well, when God doesn't meet your expectations, you begin to doubt him, like he failed you. And so it's like, well, we talked about how, you know, be, be careful, guys, if you do that. Uh, there's some other things we talk about. But today, the one thing that can tend to lead us to doubt God is, I used this word a minute ago, is when we're too desperate. When we're desperate for something, like we are in a situation where God, I need you to show up or, or this, I'm in a really tough place. And when God doesn't show up right away, we begin to doubt, we begin to be impatient and we kind of run to anything because we just want the pain to stop. We just want the issue to stop. And if you are that desperate, you will run to and reach out for the wrong thing, thinking it's the right thing and it's not. All right. I know when I was a kid, this is how you knew you were you played outside right, okay? When you were outside and you, or, or you were, you know, playing a sport or whatever, you know you did it right when you went running to the hose at the side of the house and you were just gulping the water out of the hose. Anybody else did one of those things? Anybody else drink from the hose? That's, uh, that Florida water make you tough, right? That Florida water make you tough. And so when you're just like, oh, you know, just, just, you know, exacerbated, just going forward like that, or when you run inside and you drink that bottle and you just don't, you're not even breathing, you're just inhaling it because you are so, th that's how you know you did it right. That's how you know you were playing outside right. Well, I was in my grandma's house one time, I was little, and I ran inside desperate. I was like, yo, I, I, I ain't for that, that, that hose water right now, I want something else. I ran inside opened the refrigerator door, and there waiting for me like it was a gift from God was a glistening glass of Coca-Cola, freshly poured. And I'm like, this is, Jesus is real, right? Here it is. And so I grabbed it. I grabbed it. I started chugging that. I was so thirsty. I was that thirsty that it took me five chugs to realize this isn't Coke. I was that thirsty. That was just chugging, 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 chugging. And five gulps in, I'm like, this isn't Coke. And I looked down in my glass and what I thought were, were, you know, the ice cubes that I thought were ice cubes. I'm like, these lumps ain't ice cubes. And at least, you know, it's not as bad as you, some of y'all might think it was. It was prune juice. It was at my grandma's house. I was drinking prune juice. Some of y'all, look at some of y'all gagged. I'm like, yep, I've never had prune juice in my life. And it was like freshly squeezed and the lumps were all, you know, leftover prunes in there. Oh my gosh, it was the worst. It was like, I've never again, it was the one and only time in my life I've ever had it. And so it was disgusting. And so now, before I was desperate to drink, now I'm desperate for a toilet because I'm just gagging and I'm just like, oh, uh, I don't know what to do. It was bad. It was disgusting. Never had it before in my life. But this here's the thing. I was so desperate for something because I was so thirsty. I wasn't thinking. I was just grabbing stuff. See, that's what happens a lot of times too. Yo, we can be so desperate for God and that desperation can lead us to impatience. And that impatience could lead us to just reach for whatever, thinking it's God or thinking it's what we need. And then we make things worse instead of better. And so we got to be super careful when desperation leads us to start reaching out for stuff. Because if we reach out for the wrong thing and then, oh, see, God failed me and begin to doubt. No, we got to be cautious. But today we're going to talk about a story of a guy who was desperate. I mean, I, I would not, I wouldn't want to trade places with this guy. He was desperate for Jesus to show up. And his story actually shows us, all right, again, what do we do when we doubt? And in fact, his story is pretty cool. It's actually what inspires this little phrase right here, because his story actually shows us how Jesus responds and what Jesus does, even when our faith in him isn't perfect. And so the story, we're going to look at it, it's in the book of Mark. So if you got your Bibles online, I got you. All right, everybody else, if you don't got one, I got you. We're going to look at a story in the book of Mark. And just to give you a little context, because context, listen, is always important. If you want to learn the text, 
Look at the context. And so at the very beginning, let's look at this. We see here, Mark 19, verse 14. When they, I'm just going to give you who the they is. They is Jesus and three disciples, okay? Peter, James, and John. When they came to the disciples, they saw a large crowd around them and scribes disputing with them. Now, I got to pause. Just to give you, again, this good, this story that happens before. I want to be quick with it. You got to read it, though, to catch it. So right at the beginning, why is Jesus with some of the disciples, not all of them? So a little prior to this, Jesus sends all 12 of his disciples and some. He sends them two by two out in different cities and said, listen, I want you to go ahead of me because I'm about to go to these places to help these people, to tell them good news. I want you to go ahead of me. Kind of like, you know, prepare the groundwork, all right? You're you're the setup guy. And he goes, tell them, you know, preach the good news. Tell them all about me. Cast out demons, important detail. Cast out demons and, and, and just wait for me to go. And every time Jesus would show up to one of these spots, yo, the, his disciples were freaking out. And I'm like, Jesus, we did what you told us to do in faith, and it happened. We've never seen this before. Guys, I want you to know that it was not common to see demons casted out of people. And these apostles were freaking out. They're like, yo, Jesus is telling us to do it, and it's happening. And so later on, Jesus goes up to the mountain with Peter, James, and John. Some of you guys might know the story. This is called the transfiguration. And so Jesus goes up to the mountain and his divinity, because he is God, like some people like to say, he was God in, the, in a bod, all right? The, his divinity came out. And the, Peter, James, and John started to see, oh my gosh, this is, he's not just anybody, he is God. And they had this amazing encounter up there. And what's crazy is, is Jesus, Peter, James, and John just had church on top of a mountain. Man, they encountered God like Mandy was singing. And the second they get down into the valley, there's a situation. People are arguing, disrupting. Isn't that annoying when you just go to church and you have such a great time with God, and the second you hit your car door, you got 18 text messages, something just popped off. You know? You ever had one of those? The second, you know, you had a great Sunday, and you go to work on Monday, you see all them emails. I'm like, you see that one customer? I'm like, yeah, of course, right? And I was like, you, you have that. It, it, it tends to happen that way, doesn't it? It's crazy. And so even more. See, If you want to be able to deal with what's in the valley, you need your mountaintop moments with God. All right. You need the mountaintop moments with God to deal with what's in the valley. So Jesus is coming down. Here's Peter, James and John. And they're coming into a situation. They're like, uh, everyone's arguing, disputing. Look at this. The whole crowd saw him being Jesus. They were amazed and they ran to greet him. And he asked them. Now Jesus is asking questions. He's talking to his disciples. What are you arguing with them about? I was like, yo, what's the problem, guys? I can't leave y'all for three minutes, and now you get yourself in a situation. What is going on? What are you arguing about? And so someone from the crowd answers him and says, teacher, I brought my son to you. He has a spirit, a demon, that makes him unable to speak. Whenever it seizes him, it throws him down, and he foams at the mouth. It grinds his teeth and B becomes rigid. I asked your disciples to drive it out. Key phrase, but they couldn't. These are the nine that were left without Jesus, Peter, James, and John. Now Jesus replies to those nine. Listen to this guys. You unbelieving generation, how long will I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Tell me you haven't had your dad or your mom or your grandma say, oh my, again, again, like we got to, I got to, we got to deal with this one more time. How many times do I have to repeat myself? Some of y'all getting flashbacks. I know. Don't, you know, I think some of y'all just started flinching. Like you think I'll be hit. Like, oh, you know, okay. 
That's Jesus is not pulling punches talking to his disciples. It's like unbelieving generation, key phrase. Because what are we talking about? We're talking about doubt, not believing. We're going to come back to this crew. You unbelieving generation, how long must I be with you? How much longer must I put up with you? Bring him to me, Jesus says. Bring him to me. What does he say? So they brought the boy to Jesus. And when the spirit saw him, it immediately threw the boy into convulsion. So this guy, you can tell that he is having this demon sees Jesus. One final attempt. He's been trying to kill this boy. One final attempt, he must see. It's like a Hail Mary pass, I guess. He's just going for it. See what he can do. And so he immediately throws the boy into convulsions. He falls on the ground, rolls around, foaming at the mouth. And Jesus is asking questions. How long has this been happening to him? Now, you got to know, guys, Jesus isn't ignorant. Jesus is not asking this because you need to know how long has a demon been operating in somebody's life in order to evict the guy. Yeah, that's, no, you don't need that. He doesn't need to know this information. You know, well, well, you know well, what's his info? What's his name? You know, how long has he been here? What's going on? You know, he doesn't need that information. So why, why ask the questions? Because there's a detail that you and I need to know. You and I need to look at. And the father answers this detail we need to know. How long has this been happening to him? Jesus asked his father from childhood since he was a little. And many times it has thrown him into a fire or water to destroy him. Now, this boy has done nothing wrong. Nothing. That, that little detail is important. This boy has been tortured and tormented his whole life. The parents didn't do anything for this to happen. He didn't do anything for this to happen. This boy was innocent. This son was innocent of this and yet suffered. And so now look at the father. But you, but if, I, I mean, look at the phrase, but if you can, if you can do anything, could you imagine the desperation in his heart? If you can do anything, have compassion on who? On us. Help us. Who's the one convulsing right now? It's the boy. Why is he saying help us? If you're a parent, you know. If you're a parent, you know, you see somebody, you see your boy, you see your kid struggling. It's like if you could. It's like it's happening to you. I know y'all got friends that when you see somebody you love going through it, it's like you're going through it too, right? Like you're suffering too. It's not the same level. And so this father is desperate. Not only help my boy, but help me. I can't help him. I, there's nothing that I can do. Could you imagine it being this guy's father, you saw like, I mean, at random times, this demon would take him and throw him into the water to drown him, throw him into the fire. Like this guy must not have slept for the longest because he didn't know when it was going to happen. There was nothing to predict it. This guy was tired. He was exhausted and his heart was broken for his brutalized body. Again, I, I couldn't even imagine seeing this boy, the bruises, the dents, in his body, the burn marks were being thrown into fires. And here's the father having to pull his own son out of the fire. Could you imagine the scars on the dad? He's desperate for you. You would be desperate too. help us. So Jesus says, oh, if you can, he, he asked him, Lord, if you can, I was like, no, 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 wait, wait, if you can, you talking to me? Like, hold on. Everything is possible for the one who believes. And here's where we come down to the important part. Everything is possible for those who believe. And so immediately, what does the father say? <clears throat> I do believe, but what does he say? Read it with me, guys. Read it. Type it online. What does he say? 
help my unbelief. One of the most powerful prayers in the Bible. One, two, three, four, five, six. I do believe, but can you help my unbelief? I believe in you, Jesus. I know I've seen you do things, but I'm, well, I wonder what was it that was causing him to not believe? Was he afraid? You know what? Your disciples couldn't do it. So what if you can't? I've seen you heal some, not maybe not others. I, I, I don't know. Maybe he was just so disappointed. I think even having Jesus fail would probably ruin his life and wreck his life. So there was so many things. Help me with my unbelief. And you know what that word help means? That word isn't just like, you help me, bro. No, it's, it's desperate word. It means run to my aid. That's what this means. This is someone who is trapped in a burning building and can't get out yelling help. This is someone who is drowning in water and can't swim and is yelling, help me. I can't do that. I'm drowning. Help me. I am drowning in my own doubt. I can't save myself. I can't save my kid. I am powerless. Help me. I believe, but I'm struggling to believe perfectly. Because what did Jesus say? Everything is possible for one who believes. He's like, I get you, Jesus, but, but I, what, if I'm, what if it's not perfect? I got my questions. I got my doubts still. What does Jesus say? This is the important. This right here tells us it's important for us to know what God's view is of those who have questions. Because guess what, guys? I'm, the, I'm, I'm this guy right here. I believe in God, and I, and I still have questions. I still have issues. I still don't know. So how, what, how does Jesus reply? What does Jesus do to people like this? Well, he says off, actually, can we put the, I'm gonna put the rest of the screen up here. He says, when Jesus saw the crowd, uh, let's move on quickly. He said, again, help me with my unbelief. And he looks, and Jesus' response is the best, man. He comes, he's, I mean, I lost my spot, so I'll make sure we all follow along here. And so he says, help me with my unbelief. And so when Jesus saw that a crowd was quickly gathering, he rebukes the unclean spirit, saying to it, you mute and deaf spirit, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. This is permanent. This is something that sometimes Jesus would rebuke and cast out a demon and he would say, hey, you got to be careful. Sometimes they come back. But something is happening here that is permanent. Then it came out shrieking, throwing him into terrible convulsions. The boy became like a corpse so that many thought, uh-oh, he's dead. Guys, I think Jesus just failed. Could you imagine even his disciples? Oh, no. Jesus, it looked like Jesus failed for a second because the boy looked dead. But Jesus, taking him by the hand, raised him up and stood him up. And after he had gone into the house, his disciples asked him privately, why couldn't who, guys? Why couldn't we? Hold on, Jesus, we got a question too. Why couldn't we drive it out? And he told them, this kind comes out by nothing but prayer. And so now there's two groups here, guys. There's two groups in this room, two groups that are watching. And we got two groups that are in here that we need to pay attention to. Number one, we got the unbelieving father, someone who is desperate to know God, but is, is not there yet. And then we got the disciples who Jesus called them unbelieving. And so what was their request? We see two different requests. Obviously the issue was they couldn't fix this. The disciples couldn't do it. Father couldn't do it. They were both helpless. And so what were their requests? The disciples asked, why couldn't we do it? And the father's request was, if you can do anything, do it. But again, I believe you can, but can you help me with my unbelief? And Jesus does something wonderful with the both of them that he needs to do with us today is he took both of everybody's attention away from themselves 
and on himself. See, the, the father was like, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. And these guys were like, yo, why couldn't we do it? And Jesus wanted to say, hey, hey, you got to get your focus off of you, though, right now. You put your focus on me. So let's focus on the disciples, all right? If you're a believer in Christ Jesus, listen, I know I'm not the only one who's ever wondered. You've prayed your prayers, and you've done some things, and you wondered why, you know, why not me? You know, you, you, you feel like you're a Christian, and you've been walking with God, but you're just kind of seeing a streak of losses, Okay, like you're not seeing anything progressing. It's like no matter how hard you try, it just falls flat on your face. I mean, these disciples failed Jesus, failed him in helping this boy. And there's times like if you've ever been a Christian, you wondered, yo, my, my prayers aren't being answered. God's not using me. What's going on? What's going on? Jesus did not pull his punches. And I know some of us be like, yo, that didn't sound loving. You, how much longer must I put up? I mean, Jesus, he, was, he went in. And here's the thing, guys. Jesus, when he talks to sons and daughters, he actually says in his word, listen, if I, if I didn't love you, I wouldn't correct you. If I didn't love you, I wouldn't discipline you. But because I love you and I care about you, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to love you and it's going to be tough love sometimes. And so Jesus is bringing correction. He's convicting their hearts for what they didn't do. He says this kind only comes out by Prayer. So what, what were the disciples doing? Well, let me ask that question differently. What, what weren't they doing? These disciples were trying to do something. They were trying to live out their faith, and, and they didn't bother praying. See, guys, prayer is like breathing. Prayer is your connection and your relationship with God. It's your communication line. These disciples were trying to do Jesus things without Jesus. They were doing it in their own strength. Why couldn't we do it? Why couldn't we do it? We did it before. This is a hard one, man. You know, they, they got so excited that they were casting out demons before. They didn't think, ooh, you know what? We got a superpower now. Look what we can do. And you're like a little kid, you know, daddy, look what I can do. And you can just start, you know, doing stuff. You know, no, see, they, they lost their focus and they started operating not from a place of the spirit. They started operating from their flesh and they weren't seeing results. And so guys, I'm gonna tell you, if you're a Christian and you're, you're you know, you're, God, your, your, your testimony for God is not what it was, or you are seeing, you are falling to temptation more and more, and you're not seeing fruits in your life. It's because you got cut off somewhere, yo. You got cut off somewhere. You cut God off somewhere. Jesus said, you know, look, I'm the trunk. You're the branches. Fruit grows off the branches, not off the trunk. And he says, if the branch is broken off and tossed off to the side, you're not going to do nothing, man. You're not going to produce anything. Abide in me. Hang in with me. Hold on. And so here Jesus is trying to teach his disciples, listen, there are lives out there. There are lives out there and they don't need more of you. They don't need your wisdom. They don't need your guidance. They don't know what they need is me, bro. What did Jesus tell the disciples to do? Bring him to who? He'll bring him to me. That's what you're supposed to do. As disciples, we're supposed to bring people to Jesus Give them godly wisdom. We bring them to God. We don't want, you know, if, if people come to us, they, we fail them if all they do is experience us as a church. Or worldly wisdom. They don't need us. They need Jesus. And so this is a hard word. And as believers, we need to rely on that. Guys, listen, we are going to be ineffective unless we are connected to the source. We can't do it in our own strength. We can't do it in our own strength. We got to be able to connect with the source. 
oh, prayer sounds boring. Prayer sounds this. Prayer. Well, there's a reason why. There's a reason why you're not seeing God do something in you or through you versus somebody else. You can't skip this. You can't cheat the code. You need him. You need him. And so Jesus, he rebukes the disciples' doubt. But again, to correct them. But did you notice that he didn't rebuke the daddy? The dad said, Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. You said, you wicked generation of a father. And like, he didn't go after him. He didn't, he didn't bring the smoke for the dad. What did he do? He saw, he had compassion on that guy. And he said, you know what? That sincerity, that honesty, you're wrestling. I'm going to show you. I'm not going to rebuke you. No, I'm going to reveal myself to you. And I'm going I'm to do what you didn't think anybody could do. I'm going to show you who I am. And guys, I want you to know that when we see this, we see Jesus doing something that no one else ever did. The fact that he was casting out demons the way he did was evidence and proof that he was who he was, that he was Lord of all, that he was that Messiah because he had power and authority over death and demons itself. So this was a huge thing, huge thing for this. And he wanted to reveal not only for him, but for everyone who he was. And again, it was interesting. We saw, um, who was this boy? He was an innocent son who suffered for, and then God used it for his glory. Well, Jesus, guys, that's who he was. Jesus is the son that suffered innocently. He did nothing to deserve the punishment that he got on the cross, but he was the son who suffered innocently that appeared to die. Well, he did die, but he rose from the dead so you and I can have life just like this. So what happened with this boy, Jesus was also forecasting something he was going to do for all of us. But what I love is as we see this story, we see that invitation is probably one of the most powerful invitations that Jesus gives when he says that phrase, listen, bring him to me. Bring that boy to me, that battered boy, that boy that probably nobody wanted, that boy that somebody would have gave up on. Some dads would have just been, you know what? It is what it is. And just wrote him off. Not, and Jesus said, yeah, that battered, beaten, that boy, burned boy, I want him. Bring him to me. And guys, that's good news for all of us because it means that none of us could be that broken that God can't fix. No one can be that broken and bruised and battered that God cannot fix. But we have to go to him. We have to be willing to go to him. And so as we see this is not only did he say, bring him to me, Here's the disciples, they're not, they're struggling with their doubt, obviously, and their faith and believing. This father's struggling with the same thing, and yet we see God operate in an amazing way. And I love this, this quote. Let me read this to y'all. See, this, this is actually a Bible verse that Jesus says. It reminds me, actually, let me say this one first. It reminds me of that phrase when Jesus says, bring him to me. Earlier on in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, Jesus has this amazing statement. <clears throat> he says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I I'll give you rest. Now, burdened and weary by what? See, the people that he's talking to are tired. They're desperate for a solution. Why are they tired? Because they've been told by their religious leaders and religious officials, if you want to be saved, you got to live like this and do this and do that and follow this rule and follow that rule. And if you fail in one, you're done. And so these guys were like, they, they grew up saying, oh, bro, like I, I, I started out already wrong. 
There's no hope for me. And they tried and tried in their performance and their behavior to follow all the rules, to listen to worldly wisdom. And they were tired and exhausted because they could not carry the burden. They couldn't save themselves. Just like the father was struggling. He was like, yo, I'm drowning here. Can you help me? Because I can't save him. I can't even save me. These people were desperate. And so when Jesus says, come to me, all who are weary and burdened, burdened by what? Burdened by your sin, burdened by the fact that you are bankrupt before God, that not only can't you save yourself, but if you were honest, you don't deserve to be saved. If you really think about it, if you don't do, what are we that, that God can be this generous? There is nothing that we have done to deserve this attention. But Jesus says, come to me anyways. If that's you, you desperate, oh, I can do something. You desperate, I can show you. you. You want rest from that? I can save you. Come to me and I will give you rest. Rest for your soul. And guys, Paul tells it, notice it, and Paul says it right here in Romans 10, 9. I love this question right here, man. The, the father threw an if out at Jesus. Did you catch that? He said, Jesus, if you can. Jesus replied, if you can, and he kind of clapped back. I'm like, wait, if you can, me, really? But see, there was a choice that the father still had to make. Paul says the same thing. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, what does it say? You will be saved. Guys, this sounds so simple. And it was like, nah, man, it can't be. But it is. He's saying, look, if you believe in your heart, but what if there's questions? What if you still got some questions in your heart about certain things? What about this? And what about this? And what about that? But he says, but if you believe, confess that Jesus is Lord and Messiah, that he died on the cross for us, and believe in your heart that he rose from the dead, that's it. You're saved. And guys, let me tell you good news for all of us. Because there's the enemy and so many people are going to put things on you to say, to be saved, you have to do X, Y, and Z. You know, according to scripture, according to Jesus, according to God, there's only one thing. You don't have to believe in everything to be saved. You know, like, now this is going to, I'm going to, this is going to sound dangerous. You don't have to believe in every little thing that's in here. Now, there's things you can disagree with. I'm not talking about that. All right, I'm just saying, like, you can still have questions about a lot of things in here but you're not saved by believing everything. You're only saved by believing one thing, that Jesus died and rose from the dead, that he conquered sin and death. That is it. That's the bar. That's the line. You are saved by believing only in one thing. Now, what about the rest? Well, see, the more you go to Jesus and the more we come to Jesus, God will fill in the blanks. But I want to tell you guys that the resurrection is reason enough to keep trusting in God even when you can't fill in all the blanks. Because you're going to have those. You're going to have moments when you don't know how to fill in the blanks. But the resurrection is reason enough to keep trusting. The resurrection is reason enough to keep believing and to keep going. Because Jesus said, I promise I'm going to die three days later. I'm going to show up again pulled it off. And if he can pull that off, then 
Just go, you know, you can trust the guy. You can trust him if he can pull something like that off. And so when we see all of this, I want to, I read this quote and I thought it was encouraging for all of us because, all right, I believe with my heart that Jesus is, but then again, what about, I have this kind of a question or I have a question about that, about this application or about this teaching. Well, here's the good thing, guys. I want you to see this. I love R.C. Ryle. He says this, doubting does not prove that a man has no faith but only that his faith is small. And even when our faith is small, the Lord is ready, ready to help us. I love that statement right there. And I want you to know that guys, if there are things about this that you doubt because you can't understand, it is because it is beyond us. There's a certain, the depthness and amazing things that are really in there. But the good thing guys is that this is not a requirement for our salvation. The good that we believe in who Jesus is, that's it. But you got to recognize that if you have doubts, it's because your faith is too small. It's okay. Your faith is too small, but the Lord is ready to help. He's ready to help even if. Faith like a, what did Jesus say sometimes? He said, faith like a mustard seed, man. A mustard seed is tiny. And so what we see with the father, what we see with Thomas, what we saw with John over the last couple of weeks is the importance of being honest with our doubts, but still proceeding in faith. Being honest with our doubts, but proceeding in faith. Because when we do that, we see that God shows up. God shows up. And listen, you will always have a question. You're always going to have a blank that hasn't been filled. Let me say one word, yet. Yet. But that just means that your faith is too small. You know what that means? Congratulations, guys. You're a disciple. You know what a disciple is? A lifelong learner. There's too many of us that just wanted to, all right, yo, let me do the class. Let me check off my young. All right, I'm good, right? I can keep on living my life with, with the little information that I know. I can kind of coast from here. Uh, that's what happened to the disciples. Those nine disciples put their faith on cruise control, thinking, yo, we can keep putting demons on their necks and we don't got to do anything more. And what did Jesus say? Uh, you failed. You tapped out. You ran out of gas because you didn't come back and connect with me. That's the thing, guys. We, we need him. And we see this beautiful reaction in the way that Jesus responds to a father. Lord, I believe, but I still got some questions. Jesus, can you help me? Jesus says, yep, I'll help you. And let me, this is the, the big application that, that I want you guys to all walk away with and remember. Have you guys ever used the phrase, Hey, listen, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt. You ever use that phrase before? I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt, right? Why? You, you tell, usually you tell that to somebody that you're like, mm, Loki, I don't believe you, right? You just kind of, you tend to say that, right? Look, like, uh, let me just give you the benefit of the doubt because I know little information. You're telling me one thing. I'm not sure, but what do you say? When you say, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt, you're telling the person, I'm going to trust you even though I don't know everything yet, Right? I'm going to trust you. We're so quick to give people the benefit of the doubt. Can we be half as quick in giving God the benefit of the doubt? Like, God, I, I don't know why you're allowing this to happen in my life. I, I can't, I don't know why. I, I can't pinpoint a sin that I've done that has allowed this to happen. Kind of like the boy, I, I don't know. I don't know why. I, and I know you've said this, but I'm not seeing it yet. And so... What if you just give God the benefit of the doubt and say, Lord, I don't see the end of the tunnel, but I know you're real. I know you haven't. I trust in your word from what I do know. I'm going to hold on to that. 
And guys, when we do, let me just say it this way. You will experience the benefits of doubt when you give God the benefit of the doubt. Okay, meaning when you're able to trust him even in the questions. Okay, doubt can be a beautiful thing that God can use to develop your faith. Check, listen to that. If you have doubts about God, he can use that doubt to develop your faith and you will experience the benefit of doubt when you give God the benefit of doubt, that we saw that in John the Baptist a couple weeks ago. We saw that in Doubting Thomas. We're seeing it with the desperate father. What did they do? They each gave Jesus the benefit of the doubt. They came and were honest with their questions. And Jesus reinforced their faith. Because every time, guys, he tr- we put our trust in him, that's what he does. It's kind of like a, like a roller coaster, right? I know you've ever seen, I, I still get anxious, I do. When, you know, we're going click, 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 right at the very time. I always get anxious. I'm like, all right, is, it, is this going to be the time where it's going to go, and we're going to go backward and reverse, and we're going to die? Like, I don't know. I'm always like that. You know, is this going to be the time when the loop, the, you know, thing's going to come off? And I'm a, you know, I don't know. I'm, this is me. And so I'm just click, 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 and I get anxious. But right when you go over the top, then gravity takes over, right? Gravity takes over, and then it's fun. See, guys, there's a lot of times we're going to be up that mountain of doubt. I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. God, is it really? But if we turn to trust him, even in our doubts, then his love is going to reinforce that. His love will continue to encourage us, lift us, and guide us through those things. We will experience the benefit of doubts when we give God the benefit of the doubt. And all we're supposed to do is do what Jesus said. What did he say? Bring the boy to me. And so I'm here to, I'm here to bring all y'all to Jesus. And encourage you, if you're a disciple of Jesus Christ, keep coming back. Not just weekly. That's what Jesus was saying. He was like, you guys are ineffective out in the world because you're not praying consistently. You're being inconsistent in your connection with me. And so if you're a believer in Christ, keep coming to Jesus with all of it. With your doubts, with your questions, with your failures. The disciples failed Jesus. And you know what Jesus didn't do? He didn't fire them. He could have said, you guys embarrassed me for the last time. You know, he could have said that. He's like, listen, I'm done with you. Three years, still can't get it? Bro, I'm going to flunk y'all. Like, I'm going to start over with somebody else. Those disciples failed. And Jesus said, did you learn your lesson? All right, let's keep going. And so, guys, if you're a believer in Christ, listen, I know I'm not the only one who falls flat on his face. When you do, you look to the face of your father and you come to him anyways. And, and he will say, come on. Does, is that failure burdening you right now? I right, will get up, come to me. I'm going to give you rest. I can take that off. I'm going to teach you. Let's learn that lesson. Let's keep moving forward. Let's find out where did you go wrong now. I'm going to show you. I'm going to encourage you. You don't have to live life in your own strength. It's not going to work. Let me live through you. And if you're like that father, desperate, there's a pain in your life. There is this tension in your life that can't be resolved. You know, this father didn't believe much. His father didn't believe in much. He just was asking, Jesus, can you do something? Jesus said, yeah. And I want to encourage all of you, if there is something in your life, there is an, uh, just a tension, a restlessness. Jesus said, it doesn't matter what it is. I can handle it. It doesn't matter what it is. Nothing is too big, too small. Just come to me. Come to me and I will give you rest. Listen, that is what we are called to do all the time. Come to Jesus daily and bring, as believers in Christ, we got to bring others to Jesus regularly as well. Because listen, we're surrounded by a world of these people, guys. There's probably a room full of us right now 
full of either discouraged disciples or desperate individuals. Tell me I'm wrong. Why? Because we all need the same thing. We don't need another pick me up. Y'all don't need another TED talk. Y'all don't need another encouraging word for me to motivate you, tell you how special you are. You need me to tell you how much you need Jesus. That message don't get old. That message don't get old. That just message gets deeper and deeper and deeper the more you let that sink. We need him more than we can ever, ever rely, ever even understand. And there's people all around us. There's people outside. There's people in our homes, in your schools. They're desperate for God. They're desperate for something. And they're running to everything. And it's not fixing it. It's making it worse. But guys, you know what we need? It, it starts with us. As a church, we need to be desperate for God's presence so a desperate world can see there is still power in the name of Jesus. But it starts with us. It starts with us for us to be desperate for the presence of God. It starts with us, it starts now. And so we sang a minute ago, no, had nothing locked up, let it open, right? Kingdom, let it move. Our faith, our hope is in our great God. Well, I want to, ch I want to challenge you to do that very thing right now. So it's all online, it's everybody, let's, let's bow our heads. I want you to think about this right now. All right, who are you in the story as you reflect God? Who are you? If you're that disciple and you're that discouraged disciple who just can't seem to get off the ground, you can't seem to get any traction going. Your, your life just feels like you're just letting Jesus down day in, day out. Jesus says, I bet you're tired, aren't you, trying to do it on your own, huh? I bet you're tired and, and trying to run and, and trying to figure this out on your own, right? Well, come to me, man. I'll give you rest. If you're tired of doing it on your own, great. That's good news. Now come to me and learn to let me live through you again. So let's, if you're a believer in Christ Jesus, I want you to take everything that you feel that's discouraging, that you feel is a mark against you, put it down at the foot of the cross. Put it down at the foot of the cross. So let him move in your life right now. And if you're, a, if you're somebody who's not sure, you just, you are desperate for something, man, you need something real, you've tried it all. You've tried being with people, you've tried this, you've tried that, you've tried substance, you've tried it all, and it, just, it, it doesn't make it go away, it's temporary. Well, what Jesus did to the boy was permanent. That demon never came back, and when you come to Jesus, what he does in your life is permanent. It is permanent, and there is no devil or demon that could steal that away because once you have placed yourself in the Father's hands, nothing's going to pluck you out. And so all you can do, you might, you might still have questions. Well, I don't know about this, or I don't know about that verse. Let me tell you, to believe and be saved and for God to move in your life, all you have to do is believe, is he Lord? And confess with your heart and your mouth that he is Lord and believe in your heart that he has died on the cross and he rose from the dead. If you open your heart and open your mind in that way, oh, heaven's gonna, heaven and so much more is going to rush in. Heavenly Father, I want to just take a minute and just lift up every single soul, every single person right now that is in this place. God, every person that has felt that the enemy has put a, 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 a fence around and has hemmed them in, whether if it's a fence of discouragement or a fence of frustration, 
Maybe, God, they've, they've begun to doubt you because of their impatience and running to do different things, or, or they've chosen, they've, they've abandoned walking with you and tried to now walk with the world, and now they don't know, can, can, we, can I come back, Jesus? Can I still come back, Lord? I pray in Jesus' name, God, that they may hear you right now, your word saying, come to me. Come to me right now. Don't waste another second. Don't waste another moment. Put your trust, however much is left, put it in me. Put your hope, whatever hope is left, in me. And he will not only reinforce it, but he will renew you day by day the more that we do. God, I pray right now that every single door, every single gate you have promised in your word, that the gates of hell will not withstand. They cannot stop the advancement of the kingdom. And so let every single principality that is bound, every person watching, every person in here, Lord, we storm the gates in the name of Jesus right now. God, that your love and spirit may continue to just fill and flow right now as we come to you. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name we pray. I pray that Jesus' words and command to the disciples and the Father, just echo in your heart that all of even the questions that you have may revolve around the command that Jesus said, bring him to me. Listen, I want you to know that God loves you beyond what you can even begin to comprehend. And a lot of times we'll keep those questions and we'll keep our struggles and we won't do anything. We're not sure. Can I go to God with it? He said, yes, bring all of it to me. Come to me, all who are tired and burdened and weary, even because of the questions that you may have. Come to me and I will give you rest and I will show you. This is God's open invitation. Jesus's open invitation for us. And so I pray that that all of your questions revolve around that statement and just say, look, bring them all to Jesus. Bring them all to Jesus. Your failures, bring them to him like the disciples did. Bring them all to Jesus. Revolve everything around him. And may you have the same prayer that that desperate father had. God, I believe. But can you help me with my unbelief? I believe that you are the son of God who died on the cross for my sins and be, you live today, and I have hope in you. But Lord, I have a lot of questions still. Can you help me? Well, Jesus says that the whole, that's what the Holy Spirit's for. He will lead us into all truth. And he is there to comfort us, help us, guide us, and lead us. So I want to challenge you. Revolve your questions around Christ at the center, and he will lead you the rest of the way.